We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings on the Prophet And so we're still on ayah number 19. So the core of yesterday's discussion, sort of in preparation for going deeper into ayah number 19, was exploring some big questions like, for example, in our understanding of Islam, can non-Muslims go to paradise? And then likewise, what are consequences if I say no? And, and the bigger point being that this ayah is literally saying that the deen recognized by Allah is Islam. And, we, and it's al-Islam, right? It's definite article. We can't even say that it's uh, that it's just simply submission, or maybe we can. Now, let's get into the rest of this article or this ayah, not this article. So once again, nod. Let me know you can see the the Quran on your screen. Somebody, yeah, be good. So the Omar, first part. Omar, we, can, we didn't finish the whole ayah yesterday. Yeah, we're like literally said we're about to continue with the ayah. So. Somebody's been multitasking. Okay, in any case, uh, just kidding. So, so the the dean with Allah is Islam, and then those who have been given the book, those who have the book, which is commonly understood to mean the Jews and Christians, they did not part until after knowledge came to them. Yeah. And, and so part of today's discussion is about the nature of knowledge. So think about the different ways we've explored knowledge. One is just the idea of the unknown that we saw with Alif Lam Mim. Another is the revelations of the books. Another is the consequence of internalizing the books, meaning that Allah has revealed the Torah, the Injil, the Quran, and then he's also revealed the Kitab, the Hikmah and such. And the, in the way I suggested considering uh, Kitab, Furqan, Hikmah, is that these are consequences of internalizing the book. Good. And then we spoke about Rasikhuna fil ilm, and these are the people who are just, who are solid in their knowledge. And then we spoke about Ulul ilm, people who possess knowledge. And all those things were good, 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 good. But then we also have the people who have corruption, perversity in their heart, zayr, where they're seeking something other than what Allah has revealed. And now we're seeing a negative about knowledge that they are parting after they got knowledge. But to be fair, it's not, it's not necessarily the knowledge itself. Bagyam bainahum. So you can call this competition, jealousy, mutual envy of, uh, among each other. So, first question. Can we read this part of the ayah, this first part of the ayah, to say only Islam is going to be accepted by Allah, which is almost the feeling of the opposite of what we said yesterday? What do you all think? Yes. Yeah, I think very clearly that when we read this ayah, it is potentially saying only Islam is going to be uh, uh, only Islam is going to be accepted by Allah. I mean, 
we could read this as a categorical statement. Now, what are other ways to read this, whether we speak of just that phrase or the whole ayah? Any thoughts or attempts? Yeah, uh, Ahant. Could you sort of like read that as, you know, referring to the ontological like religion, whereas, you know, when you're saying Islam, you know, you know, like, you know, technically speaking, like wasn't all sort of, you know, manifestations of institutionalized religion starting with Islam, and then it sort of transgressed into either, you know, paganism, idolism, or other sort of... So this is, this is what that, that Malahut was making yesterday, that these religions in their original form were Islam. Mm -hmm. But what about speaking of people, and, and this is not me pushing back on you, this is a question for everyone else, yeah, for everyone. Um, so speaking in the context of someone who's alive in 2021, uh, in 1442, that uh, suppose uh, I am thoroughly devoted in my religion, uh, does this ayah seem to exclude the possibility of my salvation? Yes, in like, in terms, I mean, if we're assuming that, you know, people were clearly transmitted the message, okay. um, um, then yes, I would say so. But I feel like in a lot of, you know, cases, for example, if you're born into a very devout Christian family, you've stayed Christian your whole life, assuming that you weren't correctly transmitted Islam, um, I'm not sure like what to say about the salvation of those people. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, Tosif. I was thinking about this, then I noticed the translations and the difference between the translators and how they translate Islam and Abdul Halim does with a small i, with a lowercase i. Yes. Um, so essentially that difference between al-Islam and Islam, mm -hmm. as in, and then he, you know, you have the brackets, their devotion to him only, um, like that Hanifan, I, I'm, I'm assuming like that Hanif religion of monotheism, mm -hmm. Islam. Yeah. I mean, so, so these four translators that I picked, I picked them intentionally because they tend to be, uh, they tend to have three very different approaches. And so just to give you some very, very brief background, Mufti Taqi Osmani, he's part of the whole Deoband universe based in Pakistan, you know, highly, highly revered, perhaps, if not the most revered, then near the top of the, the Deoband ladder of, of scholars. And, and so that, and so a way to think about this is that he's in a land of nearly 100% Muslims. So, and then you have Abdul Halim, who is an Azhari and trained in Cambridge. And so he is, uh, he is familiar both with the tradition, you know, the scholarly tradition, the academic Muslim tradition, as well as the academy. And he also writes a lot about literature, but he's been in multiple worlds. And then you have Pictal, who uh, most of you, or all of you might know, is a British convert to, to Islam, was part of the Pakistan movement. And that translation was commissioned by the, by the Nizam of Hyderabad. Nizam or Nazim? Nizam. Nazim. Nazim of Hyderabad. Nizam al-Mulk, Nazim of Hyderabad. You know, for the purposes of Da'wah. And then we have Maududi, 
who is part of the Khilafah movement, uh, but also based in the subcontinent. At least he has direct experience with a non-Muslim world because much of his life was in India, you know, under the British with a Hindu majority population. And so these are four very, very different schools. And we could have added more, but I didn't want to get the screen too full. And so, yeah, and so we have Taqi Osmani, who is calling it Islam. We have Abdul Halim, who, as you pointed out, is Islam lowercase, devotion to him alone. We have Piktal, surrender to his will and guidance. And again, Maududi, who says Islam. And although there's a footnote here, let me see if the footnote works. Um, too long for me to read right now. What's that TL or TLDR, whatever that is? Okay. All right. So another possible way to read this is if we add this to the ayah about the different types of ayahs. And we spoke about the people who have corruption, perversity in their heart that are seeking something other than what Allah has revealed to them. And so if we read this as, okay, the only deen accepted by Allah, the only deen with Allah, I should say, is Islam. Meaning if someone is looking for something else other than Islam, it's not going to be accepted. See the distinction? It's one thing to say only Islam is going to be accepted versus the only deal with Allah is Islam, and if you're if you have this, but if you're looking for something else, it's going to be rejected. Yeah. And the fundamental answer is going to be that Allah is going to judge everyone uh, uh, fairly. So, uh, having said that, let's talk about this latter part of the ayah. Okay, so the people of the book we spoke about uh, a couple of times, but it says they did not separate until after knowledge came to them out of this mutual envy. So what reflections do you have on what this is saying about knowledge? So one of our discussions has been that <clears throat> the increase of religious knowledge, sacred knowledge, should increase you in your devotion, in your fear, in your hope in Allah. Uh, and then we had another big discussion about the people of knowledge, the scholars, or just the people of knowledge, as upholders of justice or not. But what do you extract from what's being taught here in this part of the ayah about the nature of knowledge? Uh, Mohsen Ansari, are you about to speak? Um, yeah, um, it, it, it does sound um, con contextual to me. <laughs> and um, maybe it's, it's related to the, the prophets and, the, and scripture mm -hmm. uh, at the time. Because after, you know, for future generations, we know the Bible has been uh, altered. So um, it was already altered for them, right? Uh, for, from our perspective, certainly. Um, so, so it does seem that at one point they, you know, that they had, they, they were given the true knowledge, uh, the true revelations that was with them. Uh, but uh, after that, they, they, they uh, started to change it. Mm -hmm. So there might be some historical context here. What else? Other thoughts, reflections? Um, what we can infer from this part of the ayah about the nature or potential nature of knowledge. Yeah, Tosif. Is corruptible? That knowledge is corruptible. So knowledge itself is not value neutral. 
and language is not value neutral. And, and so we had a discussion before about the fact that when you make dua to Allah, the words you choose, the sentiments you choose in your own dua will have an impact in your own heart. And if you understand that, understand that language in itself is not value neutral. That, that language has a built-in philosophy to it, especially the vocabulary that you use. And then if you understand that, we're saying knowledge itself does not come without impact. So anytime you are gaining any sort of knowledge, it is having an impact on you. So the easiest way to think about this is that, all right, if I learn how to break into a house, yeah, even if I'm doing it just because I'm curious on YouTube, that is going to have an impact on the ideas that are in my head. I watch one YouTube video, probably not. If I watch a year's worth of videos on, on how to hack into someone else's computer, how to break into someone's house, I think you all understand that's going to affect my thinking. Likewise, if the same person instead of that um, is learning you know, for a year watching videos on how to be generous. It's gonna affect that person's heart. It's gonna affect that person's outlook. And so one point here is that, yeah, knowledge is itself corruptible and knowledge might look harmless, but it has an impact. Uh, Stephanie Mirza. Um, this is just uh, my own thought it. about this. Um, uh, do you think that it could mean also that humans have the tendency to like pick sides on issues or is that more just how I'm thinking about politics today? No, but I, um, like everything has to be like you're for or against mm -hmm. and maybe with new knowledge, this uh, becomes an issue also. I would say that's even closer to the to what we have in terms of the text here. You know, the first point being that knowledge is not value neutral, but when you mix it with a person's nafs, when you mix it with a person's base or appetites, often knowledge gets used not for the growth and the transformation of the person who's acquiring the knowledge, but more to re. Uh, what's the point? Uh, to 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 almost re-solidify what they already are. And most often than not, it seems to be used for competition or rivalry. And so this is, this is the, the, the textbook of Ibn Khaldun, who, who seems to argue that one of the, the most potent forces in all of human history is group loyalty. And, and so we are especially witnessing that in the polarization of our society, the polarization of our globe, but yeah, it is part of the whole human experience. And, and so, I mean, I mean, all of us may have it. I definitely have it, you know, so I, I find mixed martial arts to be totally, totally un-Islamic in the way your whole goal is to destroy another human being. And yet I take pleasure in watching Habib beat Conor McGregor. And, and so I'm totally, totally guilty, you know? And, and so, and part of it is because Habib is, you know, Habib, Nur Muhammad, and Conor McGregor was making all these obnoxious points about, about Islam and this and that. So yeah, so so I would say that knowledge especially is very easy to subvert for the purposes of, of rivalry. And so then what else can we infer from this? 
that acquiring knowledge haphazardly is potentially dangerous. You know, as a principal of my students, you know, uh, you know, some teachers, I should say, basically require the students, you know, some sheikhs require the students to give, uh, to get approval for whatever they study. You know, my approach, not claiming to be a sheikh, my approach is, okay, study whatever you want, but you better have a foundation in terms of the Quran, in terms of the deen and such. <clears throat> but if you're just haphazardly consuming knowledge without a curriculum, you are uh, impacting yourself in ways you may not realize or in ways you may not realize for a while. That is the power of knowledge, especially mixed with the human self. And then again, this goes back to our, our metaphors of the, the, the thoroughbred racehorse, the adiat versus uh, the racehorses versus the, the donkey carrying books. Okay, <clears throat> and then finishing off the ayah. So whoever rejects, whoever denies the ayahs of Allah, Allah is swift at accounting. Okay, so now we have more attributes of Allah here. Allah is swift at accounting. Sorry, I don't know if you can hear that every time I keep accidentally pressing the words all of a sudden, al-hisab. Okay, so we're going to revisit the increase in the depictions of Allah Ta'ala at a later class, inshallah. But this last point, I think we've already discussed the similar concepts here. And, and it will, just for, for the sake of completing the ayah, how do we connect all three parts of this ayah? First part, the deen with Allah is Islam. Second part, people of the book did not part until after they got knowledge because of mutual rivalry. Third part, anyone who rejects the eyes of Allah, Allah is swift to take account. Now put all three together and what can you extrapolate? In your fasting minds. No, at this point, I get a glass of water, and then by the time I, I finish drinking the glass of water, someone feels like they have to answer before I finish my gulp. Could you re-ask the question, please? Yeah. So this ayah has three parts, and I'm basically saying that uh, each of the meanings on their own makes sense, and the fact that they're put together, what can we further extrapolate? So the first part is the deen with Allah is Islam. Second part, people of the book did not part, did not differ until after knowledge came to them because of mutual rivalry. And then third part, anyone who rejects the ayahs of Allah, uh, Allah is swift to take account. That's what you got to try? Well, maybe I'll try. Um, yes, I, I think it's uh, I think it's saying that people people who have uh, access to knowledge who who have uh, you know gained knowledge, um, and despite that they choose to uh, you know deny uh, Allah and, and 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 deny Islam, um, they will have a reckoning on the day of judgment. Mm -hmm. So at level at one level, I think it's exactly saying that. Uh, uh, um, I mean, so for like looking at the order of these statements, um, could one infer that if um, if you're not 
sticking to the fundamental beliefs of what you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says is Islam, then no matter what the knowledge that you get, you're 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 going to defer because envy will take over if you don't have that sort of fundamental like aqidah. Whereas if you do sort of like you know practice the you know quote unquote true Islam, then um, then that won't happen. Like it's like a, it's like a like psychological domino effect. Do you mm -hmm. see that as well in these yeah. eyes? Thanks. Your thoughts, Joseph? Um, I would just reiterate. Uh, forget the brother. The first uh, commented that. Uh, uh, Molson. Molson. Um, would just see that difference between Islam and 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 Bahiyam, mm -hmm. between surrender and basically rebellion or transgression, and that. Uh, you know, no matter how much knowledge you have, you need to have that base of Islam, that ability, capacity to surrender mm -hmm. to actually, because ilm, no matter how much you have, like you just explained, can, if you bring in the nafs, it's going to take you to a, a path in which uh, you'll be uh, in, in, ungrateful or you'll be mm -hmm. uh, denying So yeah, if we look at the first part of this ayah, um, the set, the third part of the ayah is sort of the opposite. The first part of the ayah is taking us in one direction, submission to Allah. And the last part of the ayah is speaking of rejection of Allah. And then what do we have in between sort of uh, affecting the balance is how do we take and apply knowledge? So if... I'm acquiring knowledge with the intention of getting closer to Allah, then inshallah, I'll be closer to the first part of this ayah. Whether we speak of Islam as al-Islam or Islam as submission, I'll be getting closer to the first part of this ayah. If I am caught up in another intention, like this rivalry, where I want to prove my way is right, then I risk going towards the other part of the ayah. So it's as though this ayah is a spectrum or almost a seesaw with the middle of the ayah being the fulcrum at the middle of the seesaw. And that is the power and nature of knowledge in terms of how we live our life as well as our destiny, or I should say our salvation. Okay. And so this whole subsection is about schism, schismatics, and its relationship with knowledge. What is it, 23? Okay, good. Let's uh, let's continue. So then it says, if they argue with you, you say, I have submitted myself to Allah and those who have followed me. Yeah. And so this is aslam tu, I individually. So at the very least, we can assume that it's talking to the Prophet, peace be upon him, potentially applying to all of us. And say to those who have been given the book it, to the, the unlettered, meaning unlettered often is understood, ummi is often understood, people who have not received revelation. Do you submit? Aslamtum. If they submit, they'll be on the right path. Yet if they turn back, then you have only to convey the message. Allah is watchful of all of his servants. So first, let's talk about a couple parts in the middle. Uh, if they turn back, your only responsibility is to convey the message. I think all of us already understand this point. 
that the Muslim equivalent of a missionary is not the one who is trying to convert everybody. The Muslim equivalent, our obligation is to make sure everybody gets the message. Now, here's the question. It's obviously the responsibility of the prophet, peace be upon him. That's essentially perhaps his core mission to the point that at the end of his life, when he's on the, the doing the, the khutbah of, of Hajj, at the end of his life, he's asking, have I delivered the message? And everyone's saying yes. And then he's saying, oh, Allah, bear witness that I have delivered the message. Oh, Allah, bear witness. Oh, Allah, bear witness. Now, would you say this is an obligation on us to convey the message of Islam to everyone else? I'm asking, is it an obligation, not a good thing? We would all agree it's a good thing. Uh, Ahad, I don't know if you're raising your hand for this or for a different question, but go ahead. Um, for this, I, I mean, I can like tie it sort of like into uh, my, my other question. Um, uh, to answer, you know, I think, uh, like, yes, we do have to convey the message. It's all in terms of how, I think, yeah. is the sort of, you know, interesting point. Mm -hmm. Rather than using, like, words, I think, nowadays... We should use letters. Actually, we should walk yeah. up to people and say, Alif Lam Mim, and I'm giving you the message. Why don't you become Muslim? your coffee? Okay, yeah, go ahead. Keep going, sorry. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people are, you know, as soon as you even, you know, mention the concept of God, they, they shut off. Rather, you can do dawah and you know, you know, like in action or in character, uh, which I think would be the best. My sort of like other, you know, you know, question was, you know, sort of, you know, theoretically speaking, as we get closer to the day of judgment, um, as sort of, would you say? Uh, uh, society would be like, you know, like less and less open like to the message. Like we might be as the, you know, as an ummah uh, be sort of, you know, putting out uh, the message in just the same amount of quantity uh, as uh, sort of as we have in like past, mm -hmm. but uh, sort of, you know, could it be that it's, you know, you know, less and less effective based you know, you know, solely on how society is structured. Um, maybe. I mean, but I'm also thinking of the fact that Noah, peace be upon him, preached for like 900 years and 12 people embraced his message. And all the prophets in history, almost all of them were rejected by their people, except for Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, I think Yunus. Um, so I think we could argue that both ways. Um, but we could definitely say the way to reconcile this is to say that the challenge will change with every generation. But yeah, all in best. I mean, we can definitely say as we get closer and closer to end times, there'll be less people who are actually preaching and practicing. Yeah, that we definitely have text to support that. Yeah, all in best. Uh, everyone else, what do you think? Not answering the question of how, but is this an obligation on the Ummah? Uh, Iqbal. Yeah, I think the very uh, later part of the the Khutbatul Vida, the last sermon is mentioned that uh, whoever is present, you know, they convey the message to the absentee, right? Yeah. So that's, I think, put it in an obligation category, uh, that part I don't know. And regarding the how part, I mean, with Ahan thinks, uh, yes, the modern day, 
the dawa technique is that you are not going to use any divine word or you know any uh, you know unseen things and still you have to convey the message which is very hard that's that's the trend that is we are into right now sure uh, i would even still suggest that that was most ideal specifically for the generation of the prophet peace be upon him uh, because as soon as we are out of that generation yeah, i mean especially moving beyond the hijaz then a lot of those things uh, are the same challenges we face. Uh, okay, then the follow-up question. Is this an obligation for all of us individually or collectively? Uh, Jewel, say I'm not saying uh, a command conveyed here, though. Yeah, I would agree with you, Jewel, that here it is. Uh, it's here it would be a command, at least individually, which is potentially to the prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, but to, to uh, the question for, for everyone, if this is an obligation, is it an obligation on the ummah, meaning what we'd call kifaya, where some people have to do it, or is it an obligation on all of us? What do you think? Because if it's an obligation on all of us, it means it's not an obligation on all of us in this class. Yeah, Tosif. I think it's an obligation on the community. For the kifaya, like a, what's it called? Uh, yeah, kifaya. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it applies to everybody in whatever the context. Uh, the, we may have a different approach and circumstances. Uh, it doesn't require any training or anything, but in our own capacity, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, Dawa technique is a lot of variant in it. Is One is like, you know, the street Dawa and all those things, but uh, there are uh, other variants which I think applies to every single person. Okay. So one of the basic Form of Dawa example is as Imam Hassan and Hussein. He, they were when they were child, they were saying a uh, person is doing not proper wudu, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so they, as a kid, they they says, okay, uh, young man, just show us who is doing better wudu among two of us, and then they, they convey the message to the person. So, so there is definitely an art to it, yeah, yeah. You know that uh, I would say definitely an art and skill and technique, because just like my example. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if in the history of Islam, anyone's become Muslim by someone walking up to them and saying, Alif Lam Mim, hey, I recited Quran, you should become Muslim, right? Uh, Sadia. So um, I think, yeah, um, just like the other brother said, <clears throat> it's the obligation on the community, but if we as an individual have the opportunity and have the knowledge and have the uh, you know, means, sure, why not? Um, mm -hmm. You know, we should like, for example, uh, you have convert friends and, you know, their family can be or the friend's own family can be someone, you know, they can uh, give the message to. But my one of the things I was trying to connect it to is the concept of Amr Bil Maruf, Nahi Anil Munkar. And I just wanted to know if like what's the core definition of maruf would it include the the message of um one god and tawheed and all of those things as well or is it just indirectly connected so it seems uh, in terms of how maruf is understood it's speaking more about moral conduct and and wrong and right in society it's possible that it might also include belief 
but and but maybe my fasting brain is forgetting, or maybe um, I just don't remember. But from what I'm remembering, more often than not, it's related to uh, right and wrong in conduct in society, those types of things. But it may include this as well. Uh, Iqbal, you had raised your hand again, and then Dr. Malahat. Oh, sorry. I think, uh, yeah, so the point I was making, Dawa here, uh, we mean like Dawa is a interfaith thing or intrafaith? I mean, that this, this thing applies to, you know, all angles, I believe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Well, I mean, oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. What I mean is that if if someone is not praying, for example, and he's claiming to be Muslim, then, you know, I just want to clarify that we are talking about not the interfaith dawah here. I'm talking about general dawah, right? They could so, be to a Muslim, right? You're raising a, a, a fundamental point here. When we're speaking of dawah ilallah, uh, it's not the same as dawah ilal Islam, right? The term we always use is dawah ilallah, which then means what? You're calling someone to Allah, which then means even if someone is a Muslim, you can be calling them to Allah. Right in the example that you gave, so this is where the TJs are. The good TJs are very strong. Jamaat tabli Jamaat, because we would say what they are doing is dawa ilallah, even though their focus is as Muslims going to Muslims trying to get Muslims to pray more. So yeah, uh, this is this is a fundamental point, uh, Dr. Malahat. So I think. Uh... If you can just elaborate a little bit more further about active, active dawa, passive sure. dawa, because in the active dawa, uh, you know, like you are the activist or Mahan is active uh, doing the activity as a academia, mm -hmm. and there is an active dawa on the road or in the office or, you know, the the jamaat you just mentioned, you know, and the interfaith and everything comes part of that. So there's a there's a these two main classification come to my mind uh, that you know we can just look into a little bit further, understand completely. So uh, I'm going to, as an idea, I'm going to modify your categories as willful datwa versus unwillful. And so unwillful would be someone who has good character. And so, so good character will most of the time have a lot more effect than a wonderful speech for a long term, right? People recognize you have good character. They're going to respect what you do. And so I'm calling that unintentional because the primary intention for, for good character is not to impress your non-Muslim friends. The primary purpose for good character is because you have to have good character. And a consequence of that is that, you know, people respect good character. And then intentional dot was where you're specifically trying to, to call people to Allah. Uh, what do you think if I modify your categories that way? Yeah, that's, that, that should answer the part of my question. But what I'm trying to say that, you know, the dawa is coming to the different shape and form. So we should not hung up with like a one type of dawa. Yeah, fair enough. And yeah. then when, and, and then the second one is, uh, second point, which I just try to understand a little bit more clearly, that if we do the passive dawa, then Islam is not going to be live the hijaz. So I think that active dawa is also the sunnah of Prophet and, and also the Sahaba or the Prophet Rashidin to expand the, the message mm -hmm. to, the, to the different lands. So, so there's two issues there. 
One is that it's hard to find all of the Sahaba calling other people to Allah. And, and even related to the point that uh, Ulfa just made, uh, I think some of that even relates to people's personalities. So one of the interesting things about the Ashara Mubashara is almost all of them were called to Islam by whom? Who called all of them? Almost all of them, except for Umar and a few others and Ali. Prophet. Abu Bakr. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, in terms of the act of calling, I do think that's a personality type. In the same way, someone else is better as a soldier. In the same way, someone else is better as a teacher. And then the other half, uh, the other part of, of the point you're making is that uh, I wouldn't call, I don't want to use the word da'wah for the expansion of Islam. That was battle. That was armed conflict. You know, and we could say that the intention was to bring people to to Allah, but to I me, mean, yeah, yeah. So. I'm just I'm just trying to make that that point aligned with the what Sadia just asked about yeah. the Amal bin Walu for Nain al Munkar. Yeah, fair so enough, yeah. that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, Dr. Mahan, and then Sadia. Yeah, you know what I'm thinking is that there's a a fundamental difference between the da'wah that the prophet makes and the da'wah that we make in that the prophet, he calls to, you know, he, he his da'wah is black and white, take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Our da'wah is a little bit, it's taking me back to this term that you introduced, the boutique Islam. Mm-hmm. So if I'm talking to someone it's and I'm conveying to them Islam, it's my understanding and then you know scholars to whom you know i refer to and um they could encounter someone else who's calling them to islam and gives them a completely different idea and so our situation is is very different and i don't know how we deal with that difference Mm -hmm. uh, in the face of this ayah which is why i'm wondering if that specificity in the ayah which is it's addressing the prophet is actually it doesn't necessarily translate immediately to the rest of us in the same way if i if i mod- your point's well taken uh uh if i but if i modify it to again not from da'wah to islam to da'wah to allah da'wah ilallah uh, does that change your point i mean i think and i'm speaking about just the first step which is to yeah Enter no. the dean, and <laughs> after that, it becomes my own Islam. Yeah. Well, I see, I see that, but at, at that level of abstraction, you know, the distinction between us and other any other religion, like Christianity, mm-hmm. you know, begins to become fuzzy mm-hmm. because they're also doing dawah to 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 God, to Jesus, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. or to or and they will say to Allah. I mean, in Arabic. Yes. Yeah. 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 Fair point. Um, yeah. So. Where does that leave us? So I still find myself thinking that even uh, if it is the same, and and like you're saying, it is parallel. Uh, um, I do think that if we're doing da'wah to Islam, and or da'wah the law, if it's effectively the same thing, and I'm essentially calling people to my own understanding, belief, practice, people, heroes, teachers. Um, uh, chances are I'm also 
bringing them into this greater community. And, and so unless I'm specifically making a distinction that you are with us, not part of the rest of the community. You see the distinction I'm making? What do you think? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep thinking about it. Thank you. Yeah. I see, I see others want to get into the action, but thank yeah, absolutely you. Absolutely. Thank you. I mean, how, how did I basically get Ahant to, to want to become Muslim? I was probably the first Desi uncle who was nice to him and we <laughs> played chess and then mashallah, look at where he is today. Okay, no, no I'm kidding. Go ahead. Um, you know, uh, I feel like, uh, see, uh, you were like mentioning how like, you know, uh, see whether or not like Dawa should be black and white, you know, uh, a lot of times, like when I read the Quran, especially the translation, there are certain like, you know, you know, fundamental concepts that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pretty straight uh, with. Mm -hmm. um, now, should we sort of like incorporate that on how we like think about Islam and, and especially how we sort of like, you know, like talk about it, you know, like, you know, now it's, you know, I feel like Dawah is all like, you know, you know, sunshine and rainbows um, you know, you have that Instagram Islam, right? But, sh you know, should we be more straightforward? Um, uh, I, be know, like, hey, this is, you know, what will happen? You know, there, there, there is an end time. And, you know, this is the nature of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if we add this to the previous ayah, saying that uh, the deen with Allah is Islam, and if I am understanding that to mean that nothing else is going to be applied, uh, accepted, which I'm saying is a sound interpretation. I mean, it's a very straightforward interpretation of what's written there. Uh, um, then I am potentially saying that my family member who is a non-Muslim, my neighbor who is a non-Muslim, my friend who is a non-Muslim is headed for hell. Which then means it's raising the question, do I have the confidence to bring up religion to them? So in our society, it's a big taboo to talk about religion, except as something that you take as culturally sacred and things that you observe. And then we all, you know, we all watch or participate. So there's a whole bunch of non-Muslims who are fasting, you know, these days to be in solidarity with us. Um, and so I do think that in our contemporary moment, in American society, I think a few of you are in Canada. I think all of you are in Canada, but we'll just say all the all the, the white people lands. Um, basically, uh, in the moment we're in, you know, the focus is okay. Let's be inclusive to everybody, and that has also been a fuel for a lot of these other, you know, uh, so-called fundamentalist movements to push back because they felt that you know religion has gotten too soft. And, and so I think some of that uh, is going to be a consequence of how you look at ayahs like the previous ayah. Because if we're saying no other people can find salvation in a way that also lets us off the hook of potential responsibility. And, and so this is something that I wrestle with and many in this class wrestle with that, okay, is this an, oblig an active obligation on me? You know? And so the potential answer is, uh, yes, maybe you have to have this discussion. So some of you know my sister. My sister has a very, very strong personality. She literally has told her friends, okay, you better learn about Islam. And this is when she's younger. You better learn about Islam because I'm afraid you're going to go to hell. Okay. And those of you who know my sister, that completely fits her personality. She was president of her masjid. 
and she runs marathons and you know she has four kids Marshall, and she's a pharmacist Marshall have all those things but the point is that i think some of that is so i'm saying one aspect of it is what is your interpretation of these texts because it's easy to say oh only the religion of islam is going to be accepted and i'm muslim so i'm happy all you guys go to hell sorry um so one is what is the interpretation the other is going to be what is my personality and i mean third related to personality is what is socially appropriate so I was a guy who would always be talking about Dean at work long before I went into academics and stuff. And keep in mind, this is around 9-11, you know? And so, so I couldn't not talk about Islam with all these big time lawyers when I worked in a law firm and all that. Uh, Stephanie Mirza. Okay, maybe this is uh, redundant from some Go of the comments. It. I just have a comment um, about ha being a convert myself as well. You're a convert? Um, Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't know that? Are you joking? <laughs> okay. okay. Um, that, uh, and this is spurred by Mahan's comment that. Have you, have you met uh, Mahan before? He's a really nice guy. I like Mahan quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, Omar, um, I, think, I think Omar is fasting. The only one who's fasting. The rest of us are slowing. <laughs> yeah. I like Mahan, and I also like his jokes. Okay, please continue. Um, and this is to Mahan's comment about how, you know, one person may be doing dawah to Islam, um, but not necessarily, or they're doing dawah, but that's not the same as the dawah that the, the Prophet was doing. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, um, becoming, you know, Muslim, um, Mahan gave, you know, that kind of image of Islam to me, and I learned a lot, you know, I learned so much that way. And then when other people, uh, you know, I interacted with were Muslim, like aunties, they're like, oh, you don't have to wear the hijab, don't worry, it's what's in your heart, you know, a very different Islam, you know, Allah's Rahman Rahim, you don't have to worry about this or that, you know? So I know that they were trying to make things easier for me, uh, but it also kind of like muddles everything up. Mm. Um, and then there would also be aunties and not picking on aunties, but that's just been my experience in the mosque that as soon as someone is visiting, you know, who's not Muslim, they militantly jump up and throw a hijab on their heads, you know, like it's haram Same for case. them to be in there, you know? So uh, just because we may be conveying Islam, we can't assume that we're, you know, taking that, that same uh, maqam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, so related to your point is that some people are not very good salespeople and you might be turning people away from the product. But uh, yeah, and so so uh, uh, absolutely, there is there is uh, a skill and an art and a consistency in in, in terms of the, the quick, message. Very quick, if I may. Yeah. Um, we're not teaming up. We're in different <laughs> spaces. But um, you know, Omar, what if you think about this not as they're not good salespeople, but the, we're actually selling different things. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Sure. That's what makes it more, more uh, complicated. 
So yeah, uh, I think that that's a, a fair point. Uh, I think both would be fair that some people are not good salespeople and some people are, are selling two different products. And related to the fact of selling two different products, there are those people who seem to have the goal of conquest, that every time they get a convert, it's like a victory, you know, as opposed to every time they've delivered the message to someone, it's completing an obligation. Uh, Sadia Malahat, and then Tosi, if you look like you're raising your hand. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, before I state the other point, um, salespeople, you were just mentioning, for a good salesperson, I think it's very important for them to really know the product they're selling. So if, you know, whether or not you have skills, you will fail if you know, if you don't know the product. <laughs> That's the simple rule. Um Secondly, uh, I just wanted to mention, since we have been uh, talking about personalities and salesmanship and all of that, um, I can't remember the name of the Sahabi, but there was a very beloved Sahabi to Hazur Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who was a really, really good person and a good Muslim and great in charity and everything. But uh, the Prophet told him not to engage in activities that involved people because he was not a people person. He would get aggressive with people around him. But otherwise, he was great in, you know, everything else. And so he actually prohibited him to do that. So since you're talking about personalities, so I guess if someone is that type of a person, then probably you know, they should be easy on others. So just wanted to mention that point. So it may be Abu Dhar al-Ghafari. Uh, I don't know if that's the story that you're referring to, but that's who that reminds me of. That's, yeah, um, there was a whole story. I listened to a whole lecture on it and I can't remember the name, probably Abu Zer, probably. And it does remind me of, we'll have to save some other time if you remind me of, of funny or, or tragic events that have happened at interfaith meetings. Okay, I'll share with you one. Uh, so there is, you know, I love Arabs, Prophet is an Arab, but uh, there is uh, an Arab MC who is, <laughs> who is introducing, you know, the speakers. Uh, I would like to introduce these from Masjid such and such, this Imam such and such and such, and I'd like to introduce this priest from such and such church, and then from this other church, I'd like to introduce this bastard to you. Yeah. You hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah, so I'm just uh, trying to understand, uh, just make a one comment about this active Islam and the activity of, you know, like for Dawah. I forgot mm -hmm. the surah, like I think the surah has shared the first ruku or surah Mumtahna, that even Allah SWT said that, you know, stay away from those. Uh, uh, those relatives not in Muslim and they conspire against you mm -hmm. so that's that's another thing uh, I mean for so you know and and you already actually cover up one point about soften the Islam mm -hmm. so if this is the reality that you know are we are like yesterday we discussed about the boutique or customized mm -hmm. packaging of Islam so is this is more hurting because I think the the objectivity of uh, of the message to convey is pretty black and white. Mm 
Mm-hmm. I think we cannot able to, no matter how the package will be packaged. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, of course that the message is, is it is black and white. Mm-hmm. I mean, if are we trying to say it's not black and white or we are trying to say, that, okay, it's not relate, related anymore as mm-hmm. a black and white package in today's society, mm-hmm. because in both cases, there are some further questions will come, mm-hmm. right? And that cause more, more problematic statements mm-hmm. come down the road, right? Okay. So that's uh, so that's the you know in order to build the case and before we go into the operation of the mass salesperson is not good or what to sell and how to sell. I think we need to understand what to sell and why to sell. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so there's a whole bunch of points in in what you've raised. One <clears throat> is it black and white? If we merge your point with Mahan's point. Uh, there's an aspect of it that I do believe is black and white, um, and and then then it comes down to all right. Once you've crossed the black and white, then there is a gray. Meaning, one aspect is black and white. The shahada is black and white, and then how they practice their Islam, how they manifest their Islam afterwards, is is going to vary. Um, can you all see me? It seems like you're frozen, which means leads me to wonder that I'm frozen. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Maybe maybe you're just frozen. Okay, so so one aspect is is that part of it is black and white, part of it is not. Um, in terms of Islam in America, I think Islam in America has become something very 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 focused on uh, getting included into society, and it's for our benefit. But I do think that there are some things that are lost where we focus more on Islam as an identity versus. A, a path to get closer to Allah and a path of salvation. I do think that's been where a lot of our efforts have been focused. Um, but it didn't start in 2020. Um, uh, I'm a product of Islam in America, and and uh, I would suggest that the vast majority of our mosques that were built were did built as identity preservation centers, as opposed to trying, you know, building something with the intention of bringing people in the area closer to Allah. This is not challenging the sincerity of the people. I'm saying this people are wholly sincere, but that's that's my take on a lot of where our efforts actually are focused on um, inclusion in society, development of an identity, protection of an identity, as opposed to a very different ethos, which is how do we get closer to Allah? How do we how do we you know uh, increase salvation and such? Uh, Salman, oh wait, Tosi, if you were raising your hand earlier, and then Salman. Uh, just really short, um, Sadia, I believe, touched upon it, um, just the fact that previous ayah talks about ilm, and it's important to have that knowledge about mm-hmm. the ayah. So, like, you may have, be a hafiz of Quran, but you really don't know. Um, so, you wouldn't be the one to do this, the belief. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I mean, building on, on, on your point, Sadia's point, all of these things require require skill and training. So one is the skill of calling someone to the dean. Another is the skill of nurturing a convert. Those are two very different things. Just like the, the revolutionaries, when they take over a, a nation, they become oppressors very often because they're experts at, at revolution, not experts at, at, at the operations of a state. And so, so the leading of the prayer is is one skill. The the treatment of, of family breakdown is another skill. Calling people to Allah is another skill, and then nurturing someone who is the victim of family breakdown and is turning has has embraced the message. That's a, it's a very very different skill. Uh, Salman and then Mahmoud and then we'll inshallah call it a day.
Hello, can you yes. hear me? Yes. Yes. So, assalamualaikum uh, to all. Umar, so uh, the, the discussion, uh, I joined in the middle, so I may have missed a little bit of uh, how it started, but uh, looking at the dawah from Prophet Muhammad, he brought the message into one language, which was uh, Arabic Mubim, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, the, the whole Hijaz community understood that language and they knew what Prophet Muhammad was saying. Mm-hmm. The problem is I'm even looking at the translation you put on the screen, right? Mm -hmm. When you look at it, there are three or four kinds of translations over there by different people, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And everybody has a different wording there. Taki Usmani has a different wording. Pictal is different. So this is where the problem is. Believe me or not, I'm telling you that in especially in North America, what is happening is uh, there's a traditional way of doing the dawa, and then there is this um, uh, a custom made or whatever what we talked yesterday, and or, or people trying to be uh, cool with or trying to understand how uh, the young generation is understanding and how they are looking at the things, and there's a huge issue here where the, uh, the conservative movement does not like this contemporary way of doing the preaching of Islam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you right now, I was uh, talking uh, without naming, naming, Malat knows uh, certain people, without naming, naming people, we wanted to bring some people into the tafsir lectures or this reflection lectures from you, but the backlash we got was, oh, well, uh, the, the, these are not uh, conservative or these are not the people who are the sakka bun, like, you know, madarsa graduates. So, well, mm-hmm. listening to their tafasir is not going to be sanctioned by us, right? Mm-hmm. So, how can you do dawa in this environment where everybody is holding on to their own mosque or own thought process and then there is this infighting among us uh, where who to listen to who not to listen to and what is right and what is wrong where we all stand in all this whole whole issue okay so that's a very rich question if it's okay i'm gonna defer that to the beginning of tomorrow inshallah no problem no problem and then let me get to mahmoud uh yeah mahmoud uh sorry uh, so I, I need to understand now because I'm, I'm kind of, after I was convinced that it's like a, uh, it's a community duty now to become more individual, like who can speak to a convert, who can ask people to talk know about Islam. So is it still, um, each one of us duty to go and trying to be a role model, try to be good people to mm-hmm. make Islam appealing to others, or we should leave this to the specialist. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm saying that, because. Uh, I know like Malaysia, Singapore, all these kind of like countries, most of them introduced Islam through trader from Yemen. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure like trader was necessary. I have to be scholars. I mean, there's just simply people who are Muslim who deal with them on a daily basis. And this is how they, okay, why are you guys doing this? Or why, who forced you to be this, this and this, you know? So that's kind of my questions. Like, mm-hmm. is it everyone due to now or especially? Mm-hmm. Uh, people who are like specialized in, in, in religious uh, knowledge. So uh, well, I'll connect your question, inshallah, tomorrow with, with Salman's okay. question because the discussion Thank is going to continue tomorrow. Uh, the short version, however, 
is is hopefully you've all gotten a sense of my style of teaching where more often than I'm forcing you to face the question than giving the answer to the questions, right? And not as some academic technique, but I'm raising these as questions that are fundamental for our practice of Islam, inshallah. Uh, Asha, you would raise your hand for a moment. Um, yeah, but um, salam alaikum. I can um, I can wait till tomorrow because it kind of has to do with what he said. I didn't realize it was already six, so I can wait. Okay, okay, yeah, we'll do it tomorrow, inshallah. Okay, very good. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadulla ilaha illa anta nastafiruka wa natubu lake. Once again, may Allah reward you all, and I apologize for these super long classes. Originally, the original bill was thirty, but our class, our discussions have been very, very rich. Mashallah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.